and he says, I have to call you to attention. It's great. I'd absolutely love the kind of you know, standing here at the front and hearing the buzz and the chatter as you catch up with each other and hopefully as you meet um, folk you maybe haven't met before as you're sitting around the tables. This is a big part, I think, of what church needs to be about. It's not about sitting in serried ranks, face forward. It's about community. And for me, that's one of the great things that we're experiencing as we meet together in this kind of context. It's lovely to hear that buzz. Uh, if you're new with us today, you are exceptionally welcome. Uh, I was going to say stay for a tea or a coffee after the service, but actually there'll be tea and coffee during the service. So you've made choice and you've got to eat it because we'll be making sure that you do. Um, a few announcements before we begin. Uh, there's actually quite a few. Um, the Guild are meeting uh, on Tuesday the 20th. Uh, here in the hall, and time, Caroline, half seven, half seven, and uh, the speaker is going to be Caroline Brown, who's the youth worker for For Martin uh, Youth Project, which I think has been going for about eight years or so, uh, a joint initiative between um, uh, several churches within our presbytery. So Caroline's going to come and speak about her work, and I'm getting to know her a little bit uh, as I do some interim moderator work, and she is doing some really exciting stuff in schools and in youth work in that area. So Caroline's speaking half past seven on Tuesday. Um, next Saturday is our regular men's breakfast. Next half nine at the Cotton Bull Island, is that right? Yep. If you want to come to that, gents, um, speak to Alan. Um, we're also that day, we're going to kind of double up because those of us who want to are going to go for a walk to Hackley Bay. We're going to do a bit of a circuit of our little loop, taking about five miles. And then the folk who walk are going to go for uh, a well-earned breakfast in uh, the view out at Newbury, that's the plan. So if you're interested in that, please speak to myself or to Eric uh, today. Magazine articles need to be in uh, soon. I think Gordon has set a, uh, set a date of, if not this weekend, a couple of days into next week. So if you've got something for the article, and it is going to be an autumn and winter edition, then please get those to Gordon soon. Um, and then just advanced notice that we were sitting in Kirk's session and we've worked so hard to get this amazing annex built and it's, you know, we can be really proud of the efforts we've put in uh, to get this building up and, and functioning. Um, but we're conscious that because of the pandemic we've never really had a proper opening. So we thought we would like to do something. So on the 23rd of October, Sunday 23rd of October, when the sun shall be shining, you need to know that, um, we're going to have an official opening. It's not going to be a huge big deal, but we're going to have a special service in the church. We'll reflect on the journey that we've taken to get us here. We'll come over, we'll get a dignitary yet to be chosen to cut the red ribbon, and we'll get people in just to wander around and to see what we've managed to achieve um, here. So hopefully, I would encourage you to ask, you know, to invite other folk in the congregation along, maybe folk who haven't been for a while. This could be a good opportunity to bring them back into the fold. And we'll be throwing this open to the community as well, because we really want this space to be used by church and community. It's very important that that happens. So 23rd of October, so keep that in your minds as you go around, as you're speaking with people and trying to encourage folk to come along. We have, I know, at least two birthdays yesterday. Lindsay, I won't say the number, Lindsay, okay. There's Lindsay, and I think Carol had a birthday yesterday, is that right? Anybody else? Just those two. Okay, well let's sing happy birthday to Lindsay and Carol. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Lindsay and Carol. Happy birthday to you. 
secretly embarrassed. <laughs> Mission accomplished, right? And one last thing, a formal thing I have to do today. Um, you know, and if you don't know, you will soon, there's an awful lot of stuff going on within Presbytery just now around Presbytery planning, and it's not easy. Um, and we have to read this official edict on two Sundays, today and next Sunday. Uh, notice is hereby given that in connection with the Presbytery Mission Plan, the Presbytery Plan Review Group will present the proposed Presbytery Mission Plan to the Presbytery of Gordon at a special meeting to be held in Inverary St Andrew's Church on Saturday the 1st of October at 9.30. Each congregation is cited to attend in its own interest. Uh, congregations can address Presbytery through their Presbytery Elder, the Minister or Interim Moderator or a designated spokesperson and all will be heard. Each congregation will be limited to speak for five minutes as per the standing orders of Presbytery. By order of the Presbytery, you and Glenn, Presbytery Clark. So I'll definitely be there. I'm hoping Jeanette as a Presbytery Elder will be there. Yeah, we will gird our loins and go to this meeting. Um, I'm not sure whether anybody can pitch up. I'm going to query that just to see if anybody else wants to come to, to be a part of this, this um, event, discussion. Uh, but we need to read this citation this Sunday and next. So, all righteousness has now been fulfilled. And now it's time for worship. Although we've been worshipping as we gather, as we talk, as we relate to each other as well. But we're going to worship in song as we sing a couple of hymns now. How can I keep from singing and then focus my eyes on you, Lord? And we discovered in this service, because the words are hard to see if you all stand up, we'll just remain seated to sing. Let's worship God together.
let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you this morning for your love revealed in Jesus Christ. We thank you that your love is greater than we can ever imagine and stronger than death itself. And so we know that we can trust you with our loved ones and with ourselves. At this time of national mourning, we give thanks for our late queen, your servant Elizabeth, and for the gifts which you gave to her and the ways in which you sustained her throughout her long life and reign. We bless you for her dedication to duty and diplomacy, for her commitment to country and commonwealth, for her faithfulness and loyalty to your ways of love and peace. We give you thanks for the respect and affection in which she was held by peoples of different nations and generations. We remember her family at this time, her royal family, as they mourn a mother, a grandmother, great-grandmother and family member. May they find some privacy to grieve for her. Solace as, a public, as the public demonstrate their sadness and their respect. And may they find the peace that you alone can give. We pray for those on whose shoulders new responsibilities now fall, particularly for your servant Charles as he succeeds to the throne. Grant him wisdom, strength and courage, that he may rule wisely and well with the support of government and people. We ask these things in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ, whose reign knows no limits and whose kingdom of love knows no end. And in his name we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Obviously, um, our focus uh, today is going to be um, around uh, the Queen's uh, death, thinking about her life as well, of course, and, and who she was and what she did and how she reigned uh, over us for all those years. And I want to begin with a question that I'd like you to speak about just for a few minutes at your tables, and it's this. What did you admire most about the Queen? What did you admire most about the Queen? So I'll ask you just to talk about that at your tables for just a few minutes and then we'll take a wee bit of feedback before we move on. Okay folks, um, sorry to cut in, but I'm going to be talking about it for about a lot of time about, about that. But I'd really like to hear um, some, of your, some of your feedback. What are some of the things that you admire most about the Queen? So shout them out in the big voice if you're here. Go! Oh. She was kind, thank you. Emily? And that she loved her corgis. She loved her corgis. <laughs> That's a very British thing, isn't it? Loving your dog. That's right. Good, yes, she was fond of her corgis. Anything else? What did you admire about her? Her smile. Her smile. 
Wasn't it funny how that smile could just completely light up? I was looking for some snaps to use in the presentation at the Christmas message, and they must have told her it looked serious, Majesty, because she looked, her face just lit up with that beam, didn't it? Yeah. Her faith. Her faith, so her faith was really important to her. We'll be thinking about that later. Yeah. What else did you admire about her? Devotion to duty, yeah. She was she was single-mindedly devoted to the, the task that she felt called to Norma, thanks. Anything else? Everyone's so shy. What was that? Her humanity. Yeah, just compassion for people. That came through the way she related to yeah. Good. One more. She was an ambassador. She was an ambassador for the UK, Eric, is that what you mean? So she kind of she, she represented the United Kingdom uh, incredibly well over the, the course of her, her reign. Thank you. So there's been a lot of talk, I think, this last week just about the Queen and, and who she was, and lots of wee uh, stories have come out that I think add uh, to the picture that we're building up of, of this lady and her amazing life. And I've got a few to share with you this morning, some of which you may have heard, some of which you won't have. Have a look at this next photo. I don't know how well you can see that, the boys and girls, who do you think that is? Who's the lady with the back to you, do you think? Who do you think? Do you think you're Rodellin? Who do you think? The Queen! Correct! That's right, no prizes for that, that's obvious. <laughs> but the question is, who's the wee boy beside her left elbow with the, the, the spray of flowers? We'll have a wee bubble, we'll look closer look at him. Now you don't know this wee boy, but I do, that's my brother. <laughs> that, that, was, that was my brother Kenny. Um, Kenny was born uh, blind, and Kenny went to Jordanstown School for the Deaf and Blind in Belfast. And when the Queen came to Northern Ireland uh, as part of the Jubilee celebration, I've already got more Northern Irish. When the, <laughs> when the Queen came to, to Northern Ireland for the Jubilee celebrations in 77, she met some of the kids from Jordanstown School, and Kenny was there, right there in the front shaking the hand, giving the flowers over, and uh, he would have been, I don't know, maybe four or five or six, uh, something like that, and uh, he was interviewed on the local, like, regional television, and he said, uh, I'll never forget the day I seen the Queen. <laughs> I've seen the Queen, he clearly doesn't know the Queen's English, but I'll never forget the day I seen the Queen, a blind boy seen the Queen. Um, so that was Kenny. So he, he met he met the Queen a long time ago. Now we'll look at this next picture, and that's uh, the Queen and Prince Philip. You can't really see it very well in the photo, but they're in a lovely, warm, hot, dry country. And this is then in Malta. And my sister Mandy married a Maltese. Those she married a Malteser, and she uh, she's living over there now and has done since um, 1985. But this was a story that was going around in Malta. Because when the Queen and Prince Philip married, they had a couple of years where he was based in Malta uh, with the Navy. And they stayed in a villa there. And of course there were lots of people involved in, in uh, looking after them as they lived there. And long after they departed, every person who had worked in the villa got a Christmas card from the palace uh, every year. This has been on and on and on, even though they, they only stayed there for two years. But in 1992, uh, they revisited Malta. And they invited everybody who was still alive, who had worked in the villa, to come to a special reception on the Royal Yacht Britannia, which was lovely. And one of the ladies who was there was talking to the Queen, the Queen was asking after her, and this lady explained that her, her husband had a brain tumour and was going to have to be going to 
England for three months to get surgery and she would be accompanying him for that time. And the Queen, not having seen this lady for 40 years, saw to it that arrangements were made so that she could have accommodation while her husband was having his surgery and recuperation. Treating with her really kindly after all of that time. This next picture is a guy called David Knott. And David is a surgeon, a very skilled surgeon. And for three months, every year of his working life, David chooses to go overseas to war zones to offer his services to people who are literally in the front line of uh, war and combat. And David tells a story about returning from Syria, uh, from Aleppo, uh, after atrocious things have been happening uh, in that country and still reeling from the shock of what he had seen and the, the long, long hours and just the horror of what he had to deal with. And David came back from that and a week later he found himself at a reception honouring people like him who were doing amazing things and he was sitting beside the Queen. And that juxtaposition of what he had lived through and then a week later sitting in Buckingham Palace beside the Queen, it just made his brain melt completely. He, could, he just didn't know what to say and it began to read. He was incredibly anxious. So the Queen tried to make conversation with him and he couldn't think of two words to say to her. He just got sucked into that void of how things had been for him in Aleppo. And she, she tried to converse and she could see that things were not well. And she began to look emotional, his lip was trembling. And she reached out and she took his hand. She just held it for a wee while. And she said, let's do something different. And she called to one of the servants and she told him to bring the dogs in. So they brought in the corgis. They brought in the corgis. And then she got the other one to bring over this little silver dish that had dog biscuits in it. And together they sat and they petted the dogs and they fed the dogs. And she just talked away, didn't expect anything of him. She told them their names and she talked about their little foibles. And for 10 or 15 minutes, ignoring her own food, she sat with him playing with the dogs and just chatting to him to try and put him at ease. And at the end of that, she said, there, that's so much better than talking, isn't it? The insight and the compassion to realize that this man was hurting and this was not the time to be making polite chit chat, it was just the time to be helping him. I think that was a marvelous thing to have done. And then this last story, which you may well know, this one's been doing around, so you've probably heard this before. Uh, and if you have, I'll tell you another one. But um, this, this guy on the left is uh, Dick Griffin. And Dick was one of the Queen's uh, protection officers. And the story is that the Queen one day decided that she wanted to go on a nice long walk. She was in Balmoral, wanted to go on a nice long walk up into the hills. And of course, when she went, the protection officer would have to go with her. So Dick and the Queen head off up into the hills. They go for quite a long walk. And as they're up there, they meet this American couple who are out for a long walk too. And they get talking. The American couple don't recognise the Queen. So they get talking and you know, just making conversation. And, oh, well, and do, do you folk, do you, do, you, do you live near here? And the Queen says, well, no, I, I live in London, but I have a holiday home just over the hill here. <laughs> All right, okay, so have you been coming here for a long time? Well, yeah, yes, about, about 80 years I've been coming here. Oh my word, that's amazing. Have you ever met the Queen? <laughs> they say to the Queen. Ever met the Queen? And she says, well, no, no, I've never met her, but Dick here sees her quite a lot. <laughs> they go, do you really? What's she like? 
And Dick knew the Queen well enough to say, well, you know, she can be a bit cantankerous sometimes, but most of the time she's great, she's got a really good sense of humour. So these Americans were all over this uh, secret police dude, <laughs> completely ignoring the Queen, and they wanted their photograph taken with him. So they reached the Queen the camera to take a photograph of them with Dick Griffin. And then Dick has the presence of mind to say, well, maybe you should get one taken with my friend as well. So he takes one with them and the Queen. And, um, and as they walked away, the Queen had a wee laugh to herself and she said, I would love to be a fly on the wall when they get back to America and they showed her friends the snacks. And they go, who's that? <laughs> and forgive me for adding this one into the mix too. I haven't got a slide for this one, but I read this one late in the week and it made me laugh. Um, this is a recollection by Professor Ian Torrance, uh, whose father was Tom Torrance, um, probably one of the finest theologians there's been in Scotland ever. And Tom was a moderator as well for a year. But Tom was one of these people who's so incredibly bright. He was very, very absent-minded as well. And he wasn't, he wasn't great at making conversation with people who weren't theologians. That's a whole other story. But Tom, as moderator, was invited to Balmoral and to, to preach. And um, Tom was so absent-minded that he had twice lost the moderatorial ring. And of course, the, the folk at one team were going, oh my word, what if he loses this? So they made a replica, they had a replica made. And they came from the replica so he wouldn't lose the, the real thing. And uh, so he's away at Balmoral preaching and he's at dinner with the Queen. And uh, she admired the ring. And she said, that's a lovely ring, tell me about the ring. And he said, well actually, Your Majesty, this is, this is a copy. This is a copy. Uh, the real one's, the real one's at home. She says, right, where, where do you wear the real one? He says, I only wear it on special occasions. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I still don't know whether he had no idea what he was saying or whether he, or whether he said it as a joke, but anyway. Um, great stories pouring out uh, about and around uh, this lady. Um, Liz Truss said, just after the Queen passed, that uh, she was the rock on which modern Britain was built. And I think to a degree we all feel that. She's been such an important and permanent part of all our lives and our national life. Um, it's very hard to conceive of life after her. But I think what we need to remember is that she herself was built on strong foundations. And we'll think more about that after the break. But before then, for the boys and girls and the grown-ups, we've got our Bible story, but in a slightly different format, we're going to see our Bible story today through the medium of Lego.
case. That's, that's the story that many of us, I think, will know. Boys and girls, if you were just looking at the houses, who do you think had the better house? The guy who built on the sand or the guy who built on the rock? What do you think, Emily? Um, the guy who built on the rock. You think the guy who built on the rock? I think you're right. Because if you if you'd looked at those two houses, you might have thought that the one that was built on the sand was by far the better house. It was much bigger, it was much fancier. But actually, when the rain came, what happened? What happened to the house in the sand? It collapsed. It fell into itself because it wasn't built on a good foundation. Now, the guy on the rock, his house wasn't nearly as fancy. But when the rains came, it stayed firm. And that Jesus told that parable to show the importance of building on a really good foundation. And that's what we in the church are trying to do. We're trying to build our lives around the story, the teaching of Jesus, because we think that's a really good, in fact, the most important foundation that we can build our lives on. There's a, there's a song that I used to sing when I was a kid, and I'm sure that many of you did too. So I'm going to try and teach that to you now. So the boys and girls want to come out. There's some actions to this song, okay? And we'll see how we go on. It's called The Wise Man Built His House Upon the Rock. Put your hands up if you know the wise man built his house upon the rock. Good! That's enough of you to make it work. Right, good, now you come down. Right. Any other kids want to come out? Okay, good, thank you guys. So, the song goes, and he's upon the actions. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rain came tumbling down. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stayed firm. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rain came tumbling down. The rain came down, and the floods came up. The rain came down, and the floods came up. The rain came down, and the floods came up, and the house came tumbling down. Excellent. Give these guys a round of That's great. I think it's time we all wet our whistles. So um, thanks to the folk who are on tea duty today and to those who baked. And we'll have a wee break for about uh, 10 minutes and then we'll pick up the story again afterwards. Okay folks, um, I think we should just say a word of thanks to the folk who've been serving today and baking and serving and making tea. So let's give a wee round of applause. Okay, Mary Kay, you weren't that good. <laughs> we're going to um, we're going to start a, a second half with a song, and it's uh, "Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart." Let's worship God together.
tracks, which is great. So you should have some puzzles to do, some colouring. And there is a house that if you really want to, you can colour out, you can colour in, cut out, and stick together. Oh my word, some are already done. Show us what you've done, Carl. Emily, those are amazing. Well done. So you might want to colour those in and decorate them some way too while I speak to the grown-ups. And I want to say thank you to Elizabeth for going the extra mile this Sunday and getting all of that stuff ready for the packs. Thank you, Elena, too. If you do anything really well in any sphere of life, whether you run a business or you run a marathon or you run a country really well, pretty soon people will want to know your secret. What motivated you? How did you get your inspiration and your stamina? What were your guiding principles? And Her Late Majesty the Queen has been praised this last week for doing an outstanding job since she came to the throne at the age of 25. For 70 years, she's done her work as Queen with amazing diligence, intelligence and grace. And I think this last week has only underlined her achievements. But where did all of that come from? That clarity of vision and the stamina and the steadfastness that we were thinking about in duty and care. What shaped and sustained this remarkable stateswoman? Well, we know very little about what she thought on a whole range of topics, but she was always very clear where her guiding principles came from. And her answer could be summed up in two words, Jesus Christ. He was the sure foundation for both her private and her public life. He was the rock on which she built. As I said last Sunday, Her Majesty never preached. That wasn't her place. But what she did do was to give witness to her faith through what she said and what she did. And although her Christmas broadcasts were very brief, they did give us a clear window into what motivated her. And almost every time the Queen spoke about her faith, she related it directly to Jesus. She called him the bedrock of my faith, an inspiration and anchor in my life, the compelling example of how to live our lives. And more recently, in her penultimate Christmas address, she acknowledged that the teachings of Christ have served as my inner light. Her faith in God and her sense of call to her particular role and to serve him in that role was very deep and it profoundly affected the way in which she exercised her reign. We've been thinking a little bit about the importance of good foundations this morning, but if you'll let me change the metaphor a wee bit, thinking about those glorious aerial shots over Deeside last Sunday morning as we followed uh, the, uh, the coffin moving through Deeside. We could just as well think of the stability of a tree with deep roots, the kind that the psalmist speaks about in Psalm 1. The psalmist says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates in his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The Queen's rootedness in Christ sustained 
scripture, prayer, conversation and worship bore great fruit in her life, both in times of celebration and in times of struggle. We saw that in her extraordinary dedication to duty, in her unwavering dignity, in her curiosity and her intelligence and her ability to make almost anyone feel comfortable and more importantly valued. We saw it in her contribution to international relations, to trade deals, to tourism, to public morale and to the Commonwealth, forging an alliance of friendship out of the ashes of empire. We saw it in her emotional resilience as she dealt with bereavement and fires and the divorces of three of her children and many a hurtful scandal along the way. And we saw it in her capacity to forgive enemies and to work for reconciliation in very public and personal ways, not least in her historic visit to Dublin in 2011. Paul tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And what a rich harvest of those spiritual fruit our Queen has blessed us with during her reign. And tomorrow, as she's laid to rest with all due ceremony, the greatest honour that we can pay her is not merely to admire her for her unique achievements, but to be inspired by her to build our lives, not on things that pass away, but on the same sure foundation that she built on. To put our roots deep into the rich loam of Jesus Christ, that we, like her, might grow strong, bear much fruit, and bring glory to God's name. The boys and girls, do you want to, have you got anything you want to show us? Do you want to bring it out to show us what you've been working on? Any pictures or anything that you've made? Do you want to bring them out so we can have a wee look? Marcus, what have you been doing? You've been colouring in. So Marcus has done a great picture of the house and some of the I love that night. He must have got a little bit of garden there, I think, to sit in so we can look down and look and enjoy the, the beautiful views. That's a super picture, Marcus. Thank you very much. Dylan's done one too. Love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got the, that's a bit of a garden. Here is that the rock. It's a rock. So we've got the house crashing into the waves here and then the one in the rock that's staying firm. Good work. Thanks, Dylan. A beautiful house, Emily. That's lovely. Oh, she's even put a cross on the door. Look at that. It could almost be a, a tiny church. Good, that's beautiful. Well done, you. Good work. Oh, I love your little pink flower there, too. You've done a great job. It's very neat. And Carl's done his, too. A nice furniture house this time. Did you do furniture inside? Did you do furniture inside? Were you throwing furniture inside? <laughs> this boy is a great teacher in architecture, I think. Well done, Carl. That's great. And Lena, did you make one as well? Oh, see, it's Dad's creation, is it? Right? Oh, look at this. That, um... We should dim the light, shouldn't we? Let's dim the light so we see that we can't get it. Okay. Oh. Right, you're all thinking about that for Christmas now, aren't you? Right, okay. Well done. Well done. Round of applause.
forevermore.